It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O Thunderpod. Email the show, L-O Thunderpod at gmail.com. Call into the show, 405-362-7128. On today's show, we're going to talk about the Thunder getting blown out by the Brooklyn Nets. We're going to talk about SGA's All-Star Night, Tail Maldon having a breakout night, an interesting defensive strategy, and that Josh Hall and Moses Brown are heading to the G League bubble. In this game, the Oklahoma City Thunder were without George Hill. Uh, George Hill does not have a timeline set just yet. Mark said pregame that the team would know a lot more after shoot-around. Uh, we did not ask him again after postgame, so we'll see in the coming days what the status is with George Hill's thumb. But it was not good enough to go tonight. And he mentioned that George Hill was having issue gripping the basketball. He said that earlier this week. I'm sure that that's really the thing that's keeping him sidelined is the fact that he doesn't have quite the grip he's comfortable with yet. I don't think it's a long-term thing. I don't think it's anything to worry about, and we'll see if he's back on Monday against Houston. Uh, Ty Jerome is still out, still no timetable on Ty Jerome's ankle sprain. He's progressing still, but there is no set timeline on his return to play program. Josh Hall was activated tonight after being listed as out on the 1230 injury report. He got upgraded later on in the day, around 430. He was upgraded to available, and that was confirmed by Mark Dagnott, and he was uh, in this game, actually, did get the play tonight. 
But the more interesting storyline about this is that Mark confirmed that Josh Hall and Moses Brown are heading to the bubble. And I say confirmed because they were on the Blues initial roster, but they're two-way players. So, of course, if they can be technically on that roster but not assigned there, uh, Mark officially announced that they're going to be assigned there. The G League bubble, of course, tips off on February 11th, and it'll go through March. Personally, I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch Josh Hall play there. I think it'll especially be fun to watch that February 12th game with the Thunder taking on the G League, G League Ignite team and seeing Josh Hall go up against all of these uh, potential first-round draft picks that the G League Ignite team has. It'll be a ton of fun, I think. And Moses Brown can get some more minutes and work, and that's what this is all about, right? I mean, they're getting minutes here and there, but this will really allow Josh Hall and Moses Brown to get consistent playing time. I mean, they're playing every other night pretty much in that bubble, uh, as, the, as the NBA did. And so you're going to see them get bulk minutes throughout the course of the week and not just spot minutes here and there in blowout games. And that's going to be more valuable, I think, to their development. I think that the upside is more so on Hall's side than Moses Brown's side, uh, but it's good to get both of them down there for sure, that they're doing a lot better for their development in the bubble than they are at the NBA level. And that's a question that I've had from a lot of fans about Poku. Would he get more out of his development by going down there? And I think it's a case-by-case basis. So it's really good for Josh Hall, and it's really good for Moses Brown because they're not playing. But Poku's already in the actual rotation. He's getting consistent minutes each night. He's pretty much playing the exact same minutes night to night, and he's on a consistent track here, right? He's on a consistent program and a, a consistent plan in this rotation. Josh Hall and Moses Brown... They do not have that stability. They're, they're getting spot minutes here and there that are ultimately meaningless and not playing within a cohesive system. Whereas with the blue, they can be marquee guys, featured guys that get a set standard each and every night. And really, you work around those two guys, which will really help their development. More so than Poku, who's already getting that at the NBA level. Obviously, if you can get that at the NBA level, that's more important because you're playing against better competition, you're playing at the NBA speed, and things like that. Just Hall and Brown are not getting that, so it's better for them to go to the bubble and not better for Poku to go there. Poku's just fine where he's at, and we can talk about him later on. But in this game, the Oklahoma City Thunder did not have to play Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant was sidelined with uh, load management. I understand why Thunder fans want to blow up the situation and really focus on the fact that Kevin Durant didn't play tonight and that it was the fact that he hasn't played in Oklahoma City since 2018. A tiny bit misleading because of the injuries, but still uh, didn't play there. I don't think it's that big of a deal, right? I don't think it was because of Oklahoma City. I don't think it was it was calculated. This guy's playing a ton of minutes because Brooklyn has no depth. And, and if you're Brooklyn, why not rest him today? against Oklahoma City. The odds were on your side to win this game, and they felt comfortable they could win the game without Kevin Durant. Obviously, that paid off, and and they were correct in that assumption. I don't think it has any other underlying meaning, especially when there's no fans in the stands. (laughs) And there's no fans in the stands, and also, if I know that Kevin Durant doesn't probably know this part of it, but there's no fans in the stands, and also half of Oklahoma can't even watch the sport, can't even watch the game, without going on the illegal stream route because you can only watch the game on Fox Sports Oklahoma on DirecTV or AT&T Now. Any other platform does not have access to this channel right now. So I don't think he was ducking Oklahoma City or anything like that. Again, the Thunder without George Hill and Ty Jerome. And coming into this game, I felt good about Oklahoma City's chances. I was pretty high on them. I picked Oklahoma City plus the seven points. Obviously, did not pan out, but... You look at this see this this week for Oklahoma City. 
They got to play Portland with no CJ, no Nurkic, no Rocco. They got to play Phoenix with no Booker, Sarge, or Jones. And then they got to play the Nets without Kevin Durant. So I thought that they looked pretty good coming into this game because I figured their bench unit would play a lot better than it did, especially against the lack of depth Brooklyn has. But this bench unit dramatically and, and desperately needs Tail Maldon back on that bench. And again, as I said before, that's not a knock on Maldon. That's a high praise of Maldon. The bench unit cannot get by without him. And that's why George Hill coming back will have such a big impact on, on both phases, right? On both the starting group and the bench group. Because you need Maldon leading the group on the second unit, whenever Diallo's the lead ball handler, they struggle. They just do. And it's not Diallo's fault. You know, really, he's put in a position where he shouldn't be in. It's the same way with Roby on the defensive end when he's being put in, in the position to guard Jokic last week. It's not his fault if Jokic goes off. He's not supposed to be in that situation. But you're just forced to. It's a byproduct of what's happened around the team. And by George Hill going out and, and Maldon going up to the starting group, you're losing a lot from your second unit. And, and that's not anyone's fault except for the fact that you know George Hill got hurt, and that happens. Because the alternative is to not start Maldon, to promote Justin Jackson up to the starting group. That way, the only group that's altered in terms of playing time is that starting unit because you're not factoring in Justin Jackson minutes you know, on a routine basis. So the only routine group that's thrown off is one instead of two. But do you really want Justin Jackson starting? They've tried that before on that first back-to-back of the year. They tried that. It did not work at all. So uh, there's no great answer to this besides uh, let's wait around till, till George Hill gets healthy. But Maldon had a phenomenal game. He was electric. He did not look 19. He did not look like a rookie. He made some great strides defensively. And and again, I have to say that he is a lot further along defensively than I ever thought he would be at this stage. And it gives me hope for the fact that he can be an above-average-to-average defender at this level as the Thunder continue to develop him. In this game, he was more assertive. Uh, He was playing very well, but here's the kicker also to that point about the bench unit. A lot of Maldon's success happened because he's off the ball, happened because he's playing next to Shea. And individually, that's really good. And you can argue it makes the the entire starting lineup better that Maldon's up there and he's playing off the ball and he's able to hit these threes. So you wonder... If putting him on the bench, while it would help the collective bench unit, would it really help Maldon? Is Maldon better off ball? It's a small sample size. There's not really a definitive yes or no answer yet, but it's something to monitor. I loved watching him play off ball. I loved watching him play in general, especially the three-point brigade and the the couple long twos that everyone, even the broadcast, thought were threes because we were just so excited about what he was doing uh, on the floor. But we'll talk a lot more about Tail Maldon. We'll talk about Shea's all-star performance. We're going to talk about the interesting defense that Dort started to play in the first half of this game. We're also going to take your questions at the end and name the MVP bet of the game, mock headline of the game, and let you know the outcome of the Moneyball pick of the game. A lot to get to on this bonus episode of Locked on Thunder, the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder working overtime because they had a Friday game which leads us to this Saturday episode. How is your Saturday going? Let me know on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league 
helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on Locked On Thunder, the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. I am Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Tam Albon was phenomenal. He goes six for six from beyond the arc. This ties him with the best shooting night in Thunder history from beyond the arc. The only other Thunder player to go six for six from three, it's of course Karan Butler. You knew that. You had to know that. How could you have not have guessed Karan Butler? Who else in Thunder history would you have expected to go six for six from beyond the arc? Tao Melvon does it now in this game on his way to 24 points. Obviously, a career high. He gets to the line two times. He shoots nine times total, goes eight for nine, 88% from the floor. Of course, 100% from beyond the arc. Three rebounds, three assists, and a steal on the defensive end. He only has the one turnover tonight. He played neck and neck with Shea, who also gave you 24 points. With Maldon, he looked comfortable, he looked aggressive, he looked assertive, but he looked poised. And I think that finding that balance already at 19 is a big deal, right? And I know he's gotten so much experience playing professional overseas, and that really helps him. And that helps these players come into the league more advanced than most rookies. But I find it interesting, the balance that he's showing of, yes, he's going to be assertive, yes, he's going he's to find a shot, but all six threes, all nine shots came within a certain flow. It came within a certain routine. None of them felt, you know, crazy or like bad shots or like something that is out of his range. He finds his niche and he finds his spots in this game. And in every game he's played in so far, that really leads you to believe that he can be a really good player. Now, the question becomes after a game like this, obviously, the, the takes start flying. And I don't blame anybody for having these rash takes after you sat through a 147 to 125 regulation basketball game in the regular season, not an all-star game. I don't blame you for just throwing out takes if you survived this entire game. I don't think that Maldon is a starting level guard on a championship level team. He's only 19. He can change that perception. I think he's going to be one of the best sixth men in the entire NBA. Like whenever he hits his peak and hits his stride, that role of sixth man. Now it's going to be hard to keep somebody in that role from start to finish in their career without them getting antsy, without them feeling like, okay, I, I can do this on another team. I can go to another team and be the starting guard on some bad basketball team, which Teo could do. Teo, Teo could absolutely be a starting level guard on a, non-competitive, you know, non-championship team. But I think that at the peak of their powers, for the Thunder to maximize their potential and maximize their roster, you would look at Maldon being the stud sixth man, the best in the NBA, and leading that second group, especially if Mark wants to keep going with this 10-man rotation and, and try to sub out as many units as he can. That ability that Maldon has to score but also facilitate is rare especially for a 19 year old you normally get one or the other and once again with Shea and him you know one of their parallels is 
that they're both very efficient. They, they both do it by getting to their spots very well, by being selective. I just don't want to make any rash decisions because coming into tonight, right, if you asked me this question right before tip-off, I would have said, no, I think that Maldon is not the, the running mate next to Shea in the starting group. He's not the future of the uh, backcourt for Oklahoma City. But he is a key cog to the plans and, and to the future, and he is a building block for your bench unit. And him doing that is extremely valuable. Him doing that would, is going to be the difference, right? If, if this team builds the type of team they want to build, and if this team gets the championship-level team they, wanna, they want to eventually have, Maldon is going to be the difference. You need depth to win championships. You need a solid roster to win championships, especially Oklahoma City. Unless you draft three straight MVPs again, you're not going to have a team like Brooklyn, right? You're not going to have a team that has Harden, Kevin Durant, Kyrie, and depth be damned. We've got the, we've got three of the best players in the entire sport. You're not going to have that. You're going to have Shea, hopefully a franchise-altering player in the draft, and then quality pieces, right? And then, and then it's Stewart, and it's Baisley, and it's Malmon. And they've all got to play their roles. And if Tao's role is a sixth man, that increases your depth so much. Because again, starter quality around the league. For a championship-level team, and for a team wanting to build a championship-level team, he's not that. I do think that he'll start whenever George Hill's traded, for sure. Uh, but if you mean long-term starter, I still do not see that on a good, good team. But I didn't see that with Reggie Jackson either. And Reggie Jackson wanted to go be the starter. He went, and, he went and was the starter in Detroit. And how did that end up? I think that Maldon is different than, than Jackson in terms of personality. I think that Maldon would accept his role no matter what it is, especially if his team is winning. And I think that with Maldon in the six-man spot, a couple years down the line here, this team will be winning. But a great game from Theo Maldon nonetheless. I liked it a ton the way that he played. I also liked it, liked it a ton the way that SGA played. SGA, 24 points, and again, an all-star level game where he gets to the line 13 times. He gets to shoot 13 free throws in this game. He goes 10 for 13 from the line. He goes 0 for 1 from beyond the arc. You'd like to see him take a little bit more shots uh, from downtown, but in this game, he realized, look, I can get to the paint at will. There was no interior pressure and, and no resistance from the interior defense from either side. And so, Shea acknowledges that. Shea exploits that. He goes 7 of 10 from the floor, 70%, and gets to the line 13 times. He goes for four rebounds, five assists, a block, but he did have the four turnovers. A couple of them were pretty bad. It's growing pains, right? I mean, this is just what you have to deal with whenever you have a young point guard. And look, four turnovers are not the end of the world. Four turnovers is not going to be the difference in you, know, you losing a basketball game. Really, I mean, you can kind of expect that from a lead guard. And the Thunder did a good job of limiting that. I mean, the Thunder in this game limited turnovers so much that they turned it over 12 times. Last game, they had nine first-half turnovers. They did a much better job keeping the basketball. And it still results in 125 points, but you give up 147 or whatever it was. It's going to happen. Uh, but SGA played really well. This was the start of an important week for him. This is going to be a, a marquee week for his all-star campaign. If you legitimately, like I do, think that SGA is an all-star and think that SGA should be in, he's got to prove it this week, and this was a good start. And a bad game overall for the team and a bad loss for the team, this was a good start for him.
because he has to dominate this stretch of the Rockets twice, of the Timberwolves twice. He's got to be great from Monday to Saturday because after that this month, you've got the Lakers twice, you've got the Nuggets twice, you've got the Bucks twice. It's just not going to be a great sight because you're going to face these pretty good defensive teams where he's got a feast this week. And he did so tonight with 24 points in 31 minutes in a game that was pretty much lost from the tip-off. They got behind early, and they couldn't really battle back. They did have their normal one run. You know, the Thunder always have run in them like Usain Bolt. They had the one run that got it down to 13 points. And when it got down to 13 points, all of a sudden, the Nets come roaring back, and the rest is history. Look, put aside whatever aisle you fall on, right? If you're on team tank, if you're on team don't tank, I, I don't really care. Uh, no matter what you fall on, 147 points in regulation is not good. It is not good for any aspect of it, right? Losing games is totally fine if you're on Team Tank. To lose games like this was rough to watch. Giving up 147 points. I didn't understand the early goings defensively. Uh, you know, Early on, it, it felt as though Lou Dort was playing this rover role where they just kind of had him hanging out, kind of bouncing around from player to player, kind of playing that free safety position. You know, on, on the basketball floor, just trying to pay, play the passing lanes, passing off players, helping off players, instead of focusing solely on James Harden. Instead, it was Darius Baisley who was tasked one on one with James Harden. Not the choice I would have gone with. I, I get it. Baisley has been stepping up defensively. He's had a really good defensive season, and he's been tasked with guarding these premier options before this year. I mean, Jimmy Butler, Zion Williamson, et cetera, et cetera. But it's the best option, and you should have the best defender on your team guarding James Harden. And they made that adjustment later on, you know, late second quarter, second half. They had it back to where Lou Dort is the only guy defending James Harden whenever he's on the floor. But it was kind of too little, too late. James Harden goes for 25 points, dishes out 11 assists and 10 rebounds, uh, goes four for four from the line, and goes three for six from beyond the arc. I just didn't get the early stages of the defense for Lou Dort and for this Thunder team. But nonetheless, it was just a game you can forget about. And this is going to happen in the course of an entire season. Not only did they have an interesting strategy for defensive Lou Dort, but offensive Lou Dort was not good. This was a 2-for-14 effort from him, 1-for-9 from beyond the arc. Again, these games are going to happen. Coming up, we'll talk about your takes, your questions from this game, and more. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. And I want to talk now about your takes from this game. We've talked about SGA. The pick and pop was great with him and Horford. Uh, he got to the line at an all-star level. He was really good. He was an all-star. Big week for him. We've talked about Lou Dort, the interesting defense, and we raved about Tail Maldon. 
but I asked for your takes. I've told you before on these Saturday bonus pods, I want to get you guys involved with the show more. Uh, there's more, it's more free flowing. It's different than the scheduling of, of a Monday through Friday pod. So on the bonus pods, let's hear your takes. And a lot of you had some interesting takeaways from this game. So the first one comes from at Hazley 30 tail Maldon and Shea could be the backcourt of the future. If they play like this together, you know, for the, for the entire time, you know, they played really well together and tail played really well off of Shea. I think that the backcourt of the future would mean that you're playing the bulk of your minutes with those two guys together and starting the games with those two guys together. Again, I just don't see them starting together. I mean, you have to factor in that for the future of this team, you're going to start Dort. You're going to start Shea. That's two guards right there. If you draft a wing or a guard coming up, then that's now three guards right there. And then at that point, you'd be playing a four guard lineup. But I do think these two guys play very well together. And I do think in the future and the future makeup of this team is to have these two guys share the floor and stagger their minutes together a bit because I think it allows Shea to go back to the role he thrived in last year. It's a little bit different, obviously, because with tail on the floor, Shea is still being that lead guard and he's still being that top dog point guard the way that Chris Paul was a year ago. But Teo provides that facilitating and playmaking aspect of it to where, on any given possession, Teo can now step into that lead guard and Shea can play off ball for a possession or two, gives the defense a different look, gives Shea a different opportunity to score, and it can be really good for a change of pace type of lineup. So I think that they play really well together. You're totally right. And if they play like they did tonight, they're going to play excellent together. But big picture, I'm not sure if you can just bank on this being what you construct your roster around, right? Where, you, where you're sharpening in these two guys. Because to me, you've already sharpened in Lou Dort as well. You need that kind of defense and you need that shooting if he can provide it for you and then be that 3 and D guy. That's what you need each and every night. Uh, this next one comes from at DN Stay. Would Justin Jackson shoot 50 times a game if he got more than 15 minutes on an actual basis, you know, on an annual basis? Yes. As a Mavs fan, I can tell you he absolutely would. Uh, this one comes from at Black Dolphin Five. Can Shea keep being aggressive? I think that he absolutely can. I think that that's kind of the nature of his games to get to the paint and the way that he changes speeds in a different way. Right? Most players speed up when they're attacking the rim. Shea slows down when he attacks the rim, and that throws off defenses and that gets him fouled and gets into the line. I think that you saw a click from him and it's and a flip switch from him in that Chicago game to where he realizes it's his team, it's his franchise, and he will stay aggressive from here on out. Another one from Matt Black Dolphin 5, can Teo keep building on tonight? Absolutely. Anytime a young player has a good night and that you believe in his talents, I think think that Teo is a first-round talent in this past year's draft class, he's going to continue to get better. This is only great for his game, and it's only great for his confidence. You love to see that. So I think that he will build on this, and it will be that wake-up call to him, the way that SGA pointed out a few games ago, that Maldon was playing timid, a game like tonight proves to him, if, if he didn't already know, that he can he can hang at this level. He, he's, he can still be the guy he was overseas at this level. He can do it. Last one from Matt Black Dolphin 5. Uh, how do you think a Thunder, the Thunder can improve their defense off of a loss like this? By not playing the Nets anymore? <laughs> I think that by proxy of not playing James Harden, Kyrie Irving, you're going to improve your defense. But uh, it was bad. The defense was bad. The offensive players are really good. They're going to struggle the same way, no matter who they play. They just don't have the interior defenders that they need. We all knew that coming into the night. We knew that coming into the season. And the Nets could exploit that with backdoor cuts and things like that. So 
not playing the Nets really helps uh, down the line. Uh, the, this next takeaway is from at Anthony two underscore FK, and it just says tail, tail, tail. I agree. Tail, tail, tail is the takeaway from today. And then last one from at Magnus 88. Uh, what is Isaiah Roby good at? Because I don't see him with, because I don't see it with him. So I understand not seeing it with Roby in games like tonight. He's had some trouble finding his uh, footing when he's not playing in that starting group. Obviously, the players around him also take a step back, so he's no longer playing around Shea and Dort and Baisley and, and George Hill. He's now playing around Kenny Hustle and Hamadou Diallo and no real facilitator. His numbers, you know, I mean, I should say his minutes continue to bounce all around the board, so that doesn't help him either. Uh, he's really good at, at a lot of things. Like, I think he's a really good defender, but you're not getting to see it, right? Like, it's an, it's an undercover talent. The same way a lot of you thought that he was a terrible basketball player in the preseason, you think he's a terrible defender right now. To me, that's not the case. He's a competitive defender. He's a scrappy defender, but he's having to do something he should never be tasked to do. Darius Baisley has the frame of a small ball five. Isaiah Roby just doesn't have that defensive acclimate to, to, to play up, right? Like he doesn't have the, the, the ability to play bigger than he is. You hear that phrase all the time, that cliche all the time. Baisley can play bigger than he is. Roby cannot. Roby can be a really good defender if you ask him to defend fours. Whenever you start getting into the, into the big fives, it's not going to work. It's just not. So if he was playing a more comfortable position, you would see a lot more from him. I think he's a much better shooter than even he gives himself credit for. You're seeing him be very timid when shooting the ball and kind of thinking, okay, well, should I really be shooting this? Why am I so wide open? Can I help a teammate out better by passing the ball? And he needs to be confident and just catch and shoot because I think that he'll make the shot more often than not. And I think that you're seeing him improve his screen game a lot more as the season goes on. He's a great in the dunker spot. He, he could feast in that dunker slot this entire season if they would constantly put him there. Uh, there's going to be growing pains. There's going to be ups and downs. You're seeing that whenever he looks like a phenomenal player in the starting lineup versus whenever he only gets 10 minutes a night the other night against the Suns because he's not playing very well. The big thing is going to be finding defensive matchups he can exploit and and finding out uh, what kind of opponents he can defend very well and show off his defense against because he's in position. He's smart defensively. He's just not big enough. He's just not, he's just not able to alter shots because you're seeing these bigs have to score over him. He's getting in the way. He's just not bothering anyone. And so finding matchups with who he can bother will be a big deal. Offensively, it's just getting him in more rhythm, uh, shooting the ball and telling him to shoot the ball. But the big knocks on him has to be his defense and it has to be his rebounding. But he's good at tipping it. He's good at tracking the ball enough to tip the ball out. And then from there, it's a free-for-all of who's going to get that rebound. He creates a lot more rebounds than he gets credit for because he gets those tip rebounds. But all in all, you know, Isaiah Roby is a 10th, 11th man, 12th man. It, it's not the high of the high that we saw as a starter with Roby. It's not somebody you should bench Al Horford for, which is something that fans were calling for uh, in the midst of that amazing run. Uh, but it's also not a terrible player. It's also not a player that's out of the NBA. Uh, it's often in the middle, and, and his middle is going to be the 11th man on the, ro- on the roster, the 11th man on the rotation, 10th man on the rotation and then can give you those spot minutes. He, he reminds me a lot of a spot starter in baseball. Oftentimes, a spot starter is a long reliever who gets into the games normally if there's a blowout and, and you need to eat innings in the third inning. But he can also be a spot starter if one of your you know rotation rotational pieces go down, one of your five starters, you can throw him in there for a starter too, and he'll give you five innings of two-run baseball, and he'll get you through the day. 
And that's what Roby can do. That's the kind of player he will be. And that's the kind of player he already is. So I like what we've seen so far from him. He's a lot better than what people gave him credit for in the preseason. But he's not as good as the run that he went on throughout this last month. But he's perfectly fine. And he's a perfect contributor moving forward. He's going to be controllable, going to be cheap, and going to be kind of that depth piece that you need. And I think that Roby is still a part of the future plans for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I think Roby could be a lot better if they played him at the at the four position or even the three position, but who knows what will happen moving forward with him. I still do think he's in their future plans. So coming up on Monday, we will preview the Rockets game. We're also going to talk more about that big week coming up for SGA, and we will discuss the important month coming up for the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I- L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O Thunderpod. Email the show L-O Thunderpod at gmail.com and call into the show for all five three six two seven one two eight. Be good and be good to one another. Listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.